0: Hello my true crime gurus. Welcome back to Just a Girl in True Crime. You already know my name. It's Heaven. So, tonight we are going to be talking about a female serial killer because I feel like I have too many male serial killers on my podcast. And I think I have like one, two serial killers that are female and obviously that's Kathy Anthony and Pearl Fernandez and her boyfriend or fiancé, is sorrow. So, I googled female serial killers and Velma was the first one who popped up. And like I just told my husband, um, you know, if the FBI or government ever, you know, decides to look at my Google history, I'm pretty sure I'd be locked up. Um, because we just looked up arsenic poisoning, and I wasn't sure what it was, and my husband's like, oh, I think it's rat poisoning, so I was looking through some articles, and I was like, yep, you're right, because I had no idea, I just call it rat poisoning, but hey. So, let's get started. I don't know how long this one's gonna be, but I do have a clip that I'm gonna play of Velma. And then I'm actually going to talk about something that I just found out that was posted on one of my true crime um, groups that I follow on Facebook. I found out two things today, and it's not about Chris Watts, it's about somebody else. (laughs) Okay, so Velma Boulard, later known as Velma Barfield, was born on October 29th in 1932 to a poor family in South Carolina. Her life of crime actually began very early when she noted the financial differences between her and her classmates. She actually began stealing pocket money from her father to afford small luxuries while at school. This progressed to stealing about $80 from an old neighbor When her father found out, he actually ended up beating her. And that was the last time during her childhood that she stole anything. Now, he shouldn't have beat her. I mean, great that he broke the habit. But, you know, you don't beat your child. Alright. So, I, um, her father wasn't a nice man either. She was actually... One out of... Yeah, she was one out of nine children. And I think she was the second oldest, I read. Um, By the age of 17, she did drop out of high school um, to marry her boyfriend, Thomas Burke. We're actually going to get back to him in a second. Um, But back to her father real quick. He wasn't a nice man. Um, He... She made claims that he would beat and rape her sisters, but, um, relatives actually, like, debunked the accusations. They were like, no, it's not true. So, we don't know if Velma was just saying that or what he did, um, but, I mean, if he beat her for stealing $80 from an old neighbor, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here. May- maybe he did do that, What shame on him. If you ask me. So. Let's. I couldn't really find much on her parents. Um. So let's talk about her first husband. Thomas. Like I said she dropped out of school. Um. To marry Thomas Burke. Her first husband. Um. The pair moved to. Parked in North Carolina in 1965. Um, he was in Thomas was eventually in a car accident and he suffered from a concussion. And he, uh, you know, to help with the pain, he decided to drink and everything like that. They had two kids. I don't know if I said that. I forget. They had a son and a daughter. Their son's name was Ronnie Burke, and, oh man, I forget the daughter's name, and I just saw it. I think it was Kimberly? That's what I think it is, Kimberly. So, yeah, they shared two kids together. And she desperately, um, she married so young, cause she wanted to get away from, She wanted to get away from her father. And for the first few years, her and Thomas, you know, they seemed like they were a match made in heaven. She was, like I said, she was desperately trying to get away from the home. She said she was tormented for years by her father. That looking from the outside in seemed to be be, um, nothing more than a doting, loving man. But when the shades went down, Velma's father would actually break into the room of the daughter he called Daddy's Girl. For Velma, marrying Thomas was the only, I guess, the only way to get out of that terrible situation. And for a while, it really wasn't too bad. Um, they both barely got along very well. Velma did have a hysterectomy and she actually became addicted to painkillers. And then Thomas, the car crash happened and he became an alcoholic and was drinking very heavily. And the two found themselves, you know, just at each other's throat very often. After a bad fight between Velma and Thomas, Velma actually snuck out with the kids and left Burke. Did I say Thomas? Okay back up real quick, Velma snuck out with the kids, she left Thomas in the home alone, and while she was out, you know, the house mysteriously burst into flames, and Thomas was incarcerated, I'm sorry, not incarcerated, that's prison heaven, incinerated before sunrise, mysteriously, um, so that happened, her children were actually very devastated, and as far as anyone could tell, Velma was too. But Thomas's death showed Velma a simple way to fix her problems, and her life soon filled with tragedy after tragedy after tragedy because people in her life just kept dropping like flies. So, un- as unfortunate as. You know, Thomas dying, which is very sad. I think she killed him. Like, I was telling my husband, she probably, like, you know, doused the house in gasoline, and then ran out and, like, lit a match and then ran. That's my opinion. I don't really know what happened because, guess what? I wasn't born in 1932. But, like I said, after she lost her husband, Velma didn't move on And she found love again and it wasn't even long but as it seemed to everyone around her her bad luck just kept catching up with her and this is where she married Jennings Barfield which is the last name she has her second husband a fellow widower who has kids of his own would to meet a mysterious end. After the couple argued over the abuse of prescriptions and divorce was mentioned, Jennings actually became mysteriously ill and less than a year later they got married. I think they got like married within like 6 months. He contracted an illness that called that caused a heart attack and died and she gave him like the rat poisoning. But they didn't really. I don't think they really, like, connected it yet. They just knew he had a heart attack and died. Um, unfortunately, her parents were her next victims. She killed six people. Um, it was like five or. It was like five to seven, but I think I found six. After a short relationship with another boyfriend, ending in yet another of Velma's home mysteriously burning to the ground, Velma decided to move back in with her parents, and in a short time, both her parents died. Her father actually contracted um, lung cancer, the one death she couldn't have caused, and then, you know, after that... Um, Her mother mysteriously became ill, and they say it was a strange coincidence. Within a few years, Velma had lost both a husband and a mother to the same exact illness. Their symptoms both included vomiting and an internal burning feeling. It was awfully convenient, but it actually would take years for anyone to make the connection. They were like, hmm, that's pretty weird, Velma. You want to explain that? And she's like, listen, I have no idea what happened. It is a very strange thing that happened. So. After Velma's mother died, people, you know, just dropped like flies. She actually took a caretaking job working for Montgomery and Dolly Edwards and within a year both of them got sick and died. Then she started working for a, for Record Lee. That's a weird name. And within a few months her husband John Henry came down with the same mysterious illness. Her family still thought She was just a horrible unlucky woman. At least her new boyfriend, Stuart Taylor, could help her through these hard times, they thought. And Stuart, if I could talk to you now, I would say please run as fast away as you can from Velma Barfield. Because she is bad news bear. She, everyone around her dies. I mean, whew. Um, side note real quick. Um, Velma was actually known as the Death Row Granny, and people called her Margie. What was it? Mama Margie, which is, oh, that just makes my, like, skin boil for some reason. I don't know why. Okay, so we're gonna go back to her, um, we're gonna go back a little bit. To her mom, Lily. Like I said, she did die with the serious stomach issues. Her mom was actually rushed to the hospital, and she was pronounced dead only two hours after being admitted. And the doctors were were unable to diagnose Lily. Um, Lily's fatal illness, and an autopsy wasn't performed. Velma over here. In 1975, she actually served six months in prison for writing several bad checks. And that is, after her release from prison, that's how she secured the job as a home health nurse for the elderly couple, um, Montgomery and Dolly. Um, Like I said, Montgomery died, and a few weeks later, his wife died developing that strange stomach virus she was actually resigned to, um, reassigned to care for a second elderly couple, John Henry and Record Lee. Record Lee died in June 1977, and his doctors diagnosed it as severe stomach virus, which, I mean, if, you know, if these people were, like, had, oh, man, what a time to grow up. All right. So, shortly after Stuart and um, Velma started, you know, being together, Velma moved in with him. And one day, Stuart began to complain about severe stomach pain. He was later admitted to the hospital, and he was dead within a matter of days. An anonymous tipster later revealed that Velma's sister, or... I said saw sister, but then I was reading another article where she was hysterical at a funeral, but it actually wasn't her sister. So sister, not sister, whatever. They notified police that Velma had killed others in some similar ways that she had killed Stuart. She was eventually arrested, and she actually later confessed to poisoning with the arsenic um, Montgomery and Dolly Edwards. John, Henry Lee, and her mother, Lily. She also claimed that she had killed them in order to cover up the fact that she had stolen money from them to support her alitic drug use. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge problem. She then later confessed to poisoning Stuart Taylor despite all her confessions. Velma continued to refute claims that she had also killed Thomas Burke and Jennings Barfield, which were her two husbands, and was con- she was only convicted for the murder of Stuart Taylor. Velma was actually given a death sentence, and she was imprisoned at the Central Prison in Raleigh, North Carolina, in an area for escape-prone prisoners, as there was no designated area for women under death sentences at at the time, and she was the only state's female in death row, that's, hey, you wanna go out, go big or go home, so her last meal was (laughs) cheese doodles and a Coke, I mean, I was just telling my husband before I podcasted, if I'm ever on death, if I'm ever on death row, I'm ordering a whole buffet, okay, I ain't going out with no cheese doodles and Coke as my last meal. Um, she actually was then executed on November 2nd, that's my brother's birthday, um, but not in 1984. So, but she was executed November 2nd, 1984 at the Central Prison, and she was 52 years old at the time of her execution. Now, I have a little clip, and give me one second that I'm going to play for you. It's a uh, death row interview. And we're going to play it quickly as soon as I turn my volume up on my TV. My computer, sorry. And there's a lot of, like, YouTube stuff you can watch on her and everything. Alright, so... Let me make sure you can hear this when you reposition my phone, because y'all know how, that's how I podcast. Like I said, it is the Velma Barfield death row interview.
1: Field was convicted and sentenced to die in 1978 for the poisoning death of her boyfriend. She also admitted poisoning three other people, including her mother. Barfield had been awaiting her sentence in the women's correctional facility in Raleigh. But last week, for security reasons, say corrections officials, she was moved to Raleigh's Central Prison, where she is the only woman prisoner. She now waits in virtual isolation in a cell just across from the execution chamber, a constant reminder, she says, of her likely fate. It's total, you know, isolation from everybody that I had been with for almost six years. The first week I was here was the worst week that I had spent. Barfield says drugs led her to prison. She became addicted to tranquilizers, she says, during a rocky period in her life. The last 10 years was just like that. uh, Years of a drug nightmare. Days of not knowing where you are or what you've done. Her attorney would not allow her to say whether she knew what she was doing when she committed her crimes. But once confined in prison, Barfield says, she found God. It's her relationship with God, she says, that has enabled her to survive her confinement. Living in prison every day is a struggle, even at its best. And um, I know that without him and his strength that has sustained me, I couldn't have made it even this far. Now, drug-free, a repentant Barfield says, She regrets the pain she has caused others. I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused so many people. Um, Today, if it were possible, I wish that I could take every bit of hurt on myself.
0: All right, guys. So that was Velma's um, death row interview. I hope you heard it okay, and everything. Um, you know, I fully believe. Uh, everybody says. I mean, I'm a, You guys know my opinions on religion. I'm a Christian. I'm not gonna sit here excuse me, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, you know, is it wrong? Like, your guys' beliefs, everyone, you know, that's why we have free will. But, I believe that people who murder Velma, Chris Watts, are really into this. um, You know, they all say, you know, I found God, and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, that might be so, but if she was a you know, devouted Christian, um, she was a grandma, um, her son. her son, um, said something like, why would the Lord, uh, I don't even have the article, um, you know, why would, like, the Lord, something with the Lord, I don't remember, uh, it's gonna drive me nuts. Something with the Lord. I don't even know. But, I mean, they all say that they find God, you know. And do you actually really? Because I watched the clip. I was watching a clip because I would never watched it until I played it for you guys. She just doesn't seem remorseful. But she died at 2.15 a.m. And, you know, 15 minutes after she received the lethal injection of that... A muscle relaxant, um, it's called procuromum. I don't even know, that's probably wrong. It's basically a muscle relaxant intended to stop her heart and her breathing. Um, witnesses to the execution said that Velma, who was convicted, you know of killing Stuart, her fiance, Was putting poison in his beer, died peacefully with no apparent suffering or pain, and she, you know, also confessed to the fatal poisoning of her mom and elderly people, even though she wasn't tried for those slayings. I guess speaking people spoke to reporters later in the day um, Gov- Governor James H um, James James B hunt jr of North Carolina strongly defended his his decision in September to deny clemency for Velma and described it as the kind of tough decision he often has to make as governor and you know just a bunch of who blah that he said and guys that you know that's really the short case of um, Velma Barfield um, she, I guess she received final visits from members of her family and close friends And she did tell one of them that when she goes into the gas chamber at 2 a.m., it's my gateway to heaven. And honey, I don't think you're, um, I don't think you're going to heaven. Pretty sure you're going to hell, but that's my, that's where I believe you should go, and I think you're going. Her case actually attracted a widespread of national attention among opponents of capital punishment Many whom argued that she had proven she could live a life of value behind prison walls and she had aided other prisoners. Like I said, she was described deeply religious and she was actually credited by some prison officials with furnishing support and counseling to many many younger women inmates. Which, I mean, you know, I'm sometimes at the gray area for the death penalty, but I believe that sometimes, you know, it needs to be done. Now, real quick, um, I've been keeping an eye on, you know, the Brian um, Laundry, is it Laundry? Not Laundry, Landry or whatever. I've been keeping an eye on his case, Um, but that's not what I want to talk about. We can talk about it real quick, though. Um, you know like Dog the Bounty Hunter, how he's like helping. He says he's very from the last thing I read, he's very close to um finding where he live like where he's been at and he believes he's um like in like the wilderness and whatever and I think he found a campsite and they say he's done more like he's came up with more evidence than the FBI has. So good on dog. And everything like that. But like I said, I am, we are going to do a Gabby Petito case. I just want to make sure everything comes out. But that's not who I want to talk about. I actually want to talk about Pearl Fernandez. We all know her, right? You know, the terrible piece of shit who uh, killed her 8-year-old son with her boyfriend or fiance, whatever the hell he was. Well... I did not know this because I wanted to put this case in, you know, the back of my head. But, I was on, like I said, one of my true crime pop Facebook groups, not podcasts. And, um, I found out some pretty intru- pretty good information. So, apparently in June, June 2nd, 2021, Pearl um, asked to be resentenced, and a judge actually denied her request, which is great. Uh, let me see if I can find why she was, why she wanted to be resentenced. I was reading it when I got off. Um... Oh, um, I think there was, like, a change in, like, the law. Like, whatever. Okay, so she indicated in the petition that she was not her son's actual killer and she did not act with intention to kill or assist in his killing. And she also checked a box stating that she was not a major participant in the crime or did not act with reckless disregard To human life. During the course of the crime. Honey. You shot him with a BB gun. You locked him in a small cupboard. With him bound and gagged. You starved him. Made him eat expired food. You sent him to school with black eyes. Missing teeth. And you're going to sit here and say. That you had no. No involvement in that. First off, bullshit. You had just as much intent as Isaro did. You were in the same room when your boyfriend or whoever knocked the wind out of him. And you sat there. And then, to make matters worse, you made your daughter help you clean up the blood. Okay? You knew what was going on. You beat him just as much as your significant other or whatever the hell you want to call him so no but it's all right because the los angeles county superior court judge george lamani who presided over the murder murder trial said at a hearing tuesday that he had reviewed the petition and concluded that fernandez was not entitled to a resentencing relief because you don't deserve one pearl. All right, you deserve to live a murder, a miserable life in prison. And it was actually sta- it has been established by her own admission during her guilty plea that the murder was actually in, in, intentional and it was involved, and it involved the infliction of torture over over the period of the eight months that they. Did this to him when he was in her care. The judge also added that the record supports the theory that Fernandez was a major participant in the murder of the child victim, and everything like that. The district attorney who prosecuted the case opposed, you know, Fernandez's request, saying evidence in a law weight. And the law waited against her. So, you know, he died from blunt force trauma and child abuse over a long period of time. And the district attorney cited, he was citing the medical examiner's report. His body was literally covered from head to toe in bruises, fresh bruises, old bruises. It's a very sickening case. Um, If you do want to listen to that, I have three parts on that case. There's also a doc series on it. Where you can watch, um, I don't rec- recommend it. It was very horrific. And stuff like that. But, evidence-wise, Pearl tortured and killed Gabriel. And both her and Asaro did that. And they are both equally, um, capable For that, they need to be held accountable. I guess Jonathan Hamadi wrote on Twitter on June 1st, when a child is murdered, the family is still tied to that child. It doesn't matter the age when the child is murdered. It doesn't matter how long ago the crime happened. Their souls are tied forever. That's love of family. Which, it's super sad. But I do have an upside to this what I'm about to tell you because I believe she deserved it. Um so let me find it. So all right. So a former cellmate who shared, you know, the cell with the mother Pearl Fernandez, you know, the cellmate said that she would be woken up to Pearl screaming in the middle of the night and yelling. Now, we all are probably thinking the same thing. Good. She really needs to remember what she did, and she never needs to forget it. Just like Chris Watts. She definitely deserves that. Um, another former cellmate, I'm sorry, the same former cellmate continues to say that, um, in prison, Pearl actually walks with her head held high and seems that she has no remorse for anything that she did. And she'd also steal from other inmates. Bitch, if you get stabbed, then that's your fault. Here's the big thing, though, okay? Pearl actually hid her actual case, like, of what it was. And from this person's research, who I got this stuff from, she would tell people that she was just in prison for a DUI. And in prison, obviously, you can't watch Netflix. So no other inmates really know your story because they can only go off by what you say. But it was said that a correctional officer actually loved this, but it gets better. Correctional officers Mm -hmm. would actually Mm -hmm. open the doors and say things to her. And one is stated that a CO opened the door and said, You sleep pretty well for killing your baby good on that. Someone give him a prize. And at that other at that point the other inmates knew that she had killed her child. And it is stated, you know, in a women's prison, pretty sure with the men's as well, they do not tolerate baby killers and they don't tolerate rapists, pedophiles. Those are two things you don't do. You're just going to look for an Aspie, an early life death sentence type from that. So, the former cellmate, this is this is great, which I love. The former sem- cellmate said that she was walking in to get her food and she was in line and then all of a sudden things got very crazy. Police were throwing smoke bombs and they were trying to break up this attack. Multiple women had jumped Pearl Fernandez during chow. She stated it was hard to see through everything that was going on, but there was blood spread even on the windows. The guards had everyone back to their cells while they cleaned up. It was a bloody attack. Um, not this cer- certain cellmate, but another ce- other cellmates have said that she was actually cut on the face with a top of a soup can lid um, around ten times and she was actually beaten with locks inside socks by multiple women. Hiya, That sounds painful but, I mean, obviously, honestly, you, uh, you deserve it. So, she, oh, she got cut with a Two in a can, and she—I just saw this. She had hot coffee poured on her face. <laughs> My husband just laughed. I mean, I mean, Pearl, that sucks, but you deserve it. Like you fully deserve that. You murdered your baby. Um. She also got spit on. And a fe- the female sea—a ce- female CEO actually told her about, oh, you must sleep good because you killed your baby, and I'm reading this from a Facebook post from somebody, and she said that was the green light. The CEO confirmed her charges. Uh, Doors popped open, and she got beat the fuck up. And then all the cellmates got their locks, and you know... It took a whole day to clean off her blood and the chow hall floor. Um, but she deserved it because she's a scumbag and a piece of crap. And she definitely deserves I seriously hope she does have these nightmares. What she's done, you know, to her baby. Um, and she doesn't have protective custody. Um, and I fully believe, you know... Her somebody will eventually take her life. I mean, it happens in prison, right? But, you know, I've also looked to see if there's any news on her boyfriend's living conditions, but no, normally death row inmates are actually confi- confined in their own small cell for around 23 hours a day, which sucks, but you deserve that because you did that to Gabriel. You put him in a little box... And they say, you know, we can only hope he receives the same nightmares at the, nightmares at the end of the nightmare they have put Gabriel Fernandez through. And I fully agree with that. It's very sad. But, so, that was Velma Barfield. That's the stuff that happened to Pearl Fernandez um, in prison, you know, with her trying to... Get her sentence like reduced or whatever or resentenced. No, Pearl, you stay in there. And yeah. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You can send me a Gmail at uh just true at gmail.com. You can follow the Facebook group at just a girl true crime. You can follow me on Instagram at Crime. You can also leave me questions. And I we can interact while we're on the podcast. And I can, you know, answer your question while we record. Um, if you want to subscribe, there's a link in my description. Uh, like a link you can actually donate. Or, like, it's called, like, um, distribution. I think the one, low one is $0.99 cents and the highest is, like, four ninety nine. I don't pick them prices. That's what Anchor does. But thank you guys for all your support. Let's keep growing. Let's keep sharing. Without you, this podcast would not happen. And well, I'm going to upload Saturday. Um... Since it's going to be October tomorrow, uh, we're going to hop into some Halloween murders, some spooky Halloween games, and stuff like that. And I hope you guys have a great day, a great night, wherever you are. Um, spread love, not hate. Bye, guys.